Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. I said a series of events. I called it a circus. 
I'm mad. Like, like, Lord, forgive me for I know not what I do before I say this. I'm mad. I only have two eyeballs and two ears to deal with what was going on yesterday. No, uh, October 29th, 2022 probably had to been the most sport-friendly day ever, ever. They had the World Series. There were two different boxing events. One's an exhibition. One is actually a, like a step-up fight. Then you had all the college football going on, basketball frenzy, and personally one of the games in the basketball world that I fell in love with, like, well, the team that I love and support had me like, oh, my goodness, my tone has changed. <laughs> my tone has changed. So I'm feeling real good. And, of course, the you know, college football atmosphere, top 25, the ups and downs, things of that nature. So I know we got a lot of stuff to jump into. We have a game going on right now in the NFL. Just to keep you updated, the Jacksonville Jaguars are beating the Denver Broncos 10-7. to Interesting started. Both of these teams are 2-5. and five. I get it, NFL. I know you want to build up the fandom overseas. I know that the team that they're trying to get over there is Jacksonville. They said that this is the most people in attendance in Wembley. I, I wouldn't know, but it's like I, this, this is – I think it's a lot. Even if they were to get a team over there, I think it's a lot to try to get people to wake up at 9 in the morning on the East Coast to watch a game and then get the 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock. It, it's just a bit much. So, But I don't want to take too much away from this game. It's interesting. It's a, a defensive battle early. Um, I want to know what you think about this before we spill into the other thing. Mike, your thoughts on the early start game in Wembley, Jacksonville up on Denver, 10-7. They're both at 2-5. and five. Yeah, you know, this is kind of an interesting game. You're not quite sure how it's going to go with Denver having all the, uh, you know, injuries at quarterback position and just trying to figure out how they're going to get out of their own way. And then Jacksonville – you know, they look kind of good early, and then they really, really hit skids and lost a bunch of games, you know, four in a row. So they they've kind of had uh, they've kind of had their ups and downs as well. I feel like this is not a pretty football game uh, for anybody involved. But you know, hey, somebody's got to go over there, and it's like you. It feel like Jacksonville uh, plays over there more often than any team uh, in football. So. Uh, they gotta. It's almost like they gotta make their annual appearance over there. I guess uh, over across the pond. Well, it is anyway. Like I, we're trying to expand the game, but if you were ever gonna try to put a team over there or do something over there team wise, I feel like you would almost have to come up with a a division because that's a that's a lot of travel for one game, right? To try to and then and then continue in your season. I, I just don't think that would be uh, realistic. Exactly. That, that's the one thing that I'm thinking about. And it's like every team that goes and plays, whichever team that is, whether Jacksonville does move over there or not, they're going to have to have a bye week due to all of the jet lag and things of that nature. You don't want to put a team behind a, the gun if they're traveling. Let's just say, look at the Chargers. If the Chargers were to play Jacksonville in England and then they have to fly all the way back, however many hours it'll take to get from England to California, and if they do stop and fly across the country again. It's it's, it's a lot. I, I get it that you're trying to build it up, but they already, they heard of American football there before. So it's it just me. It, it, it's bothersome. I just want to give you the stats right now. Russell Wilson is 12 for 19, 117 yards passing, one touchdown, one pick. He's been sacked twice, a loss of 14 yards. His quarterback rating is at 76. Uh, Melvin Gordon actually has five carries for 24 yards. Looking like he's trying to get five, five yards of carry. Latavius Murray has five carries for 12 yards, and Russell actually took off for a carry for two yards. Uh, Jerry Judy has five 
receptions, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Melvin Gordon has three catches with 23, uh, and everything is kind of idle. Latavius and Sutton, and that's that's bad that Sutton only has one catch in the game. This is one thing that does bother me with Russell Wilson. It's like come, I, I actually support him, but he's not been showing up this, this season. And then on Jacksonville's side of the ball, you have Trevor Lawrence that is 11 for 19, 80 yards passing. This is incredible. One touchdown, one pick. His passer rating is 63.5. ATN is 11 carries for 94 yards, which was carrying the total for this. Eight and a half yards per carry. A 49-yard run is probably the most of the bulk of that yardage. And then in the receiving game, the touchdown was scored by uh, Evan Ingram. Three catches with 37 yards, 22-yard catch that he had. Uh, Christian Kirk has two catches with 15 yards. Travis ATN has two catches with 12, and everything else is kind of idle with Arnold. Zay Jones, uh, they both have a catch, and Jay Hasty has two catches for one yard, so he's, he's really not contributing too much other than the two catches. Um, but this game is going to be pretty interesting because both of these offenses are struggling. Both of these teams are really trying to find their identity. I feel like Jacksonville has more of an excuse. I think with Russell Wilson, with the pieces that he has, he should be doing better, even though he started the season out without one of his guns. So we'll wait and see how this game pans out. We'll try to keep you updated as much as we can throughout the entirety of this game because I know this will go throughout the duration of this show. Um, anything else that you'd like to say about it, Mike, before we get away from it? Yeah, one more thing, and that is I agree with you about the bye week after, but it's interesting that this year they're starting to play around with those teams not getting that bye after the London trip. So, like, the Vikings and the Saints, for example, after playing over there, had to play the very next week. So I think they're at least starting to kind of uh, play around with that and be like, hey, can we get do this and this team not have to get the bye coming off of it? Um, it, it, it's been interesting to see that this year because I feel like that's a new thing this season. But it hurts teams, and then you don't want people to get involved with the, oh, well, if we didn't have to do this, then this happened. And then when we went over there, we went on a losing streak. Like, no, no, I don't – just keep it how it was. Like, why, if it ain't broke, exactly. don't fix it. So that, that's the one thing yeah, that, exactly. that's so bothersome about what they're trying to make happen. And I think there's one more game, I think, in two weeks, Brady goes to Germany. So I think this is the first game in Germany that they're having. I think they're getting ready to wave goodbye to Brady because that will be the last of him, you know, playing ball. Or, or at least overseas, but I don't see him playing for another four or five years if they do end up returning over there, unless that's the thing that the NFL wants to do. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're up to, but this is, you know, somewhat questionable on the way that they're trying to market this situation. That, that's just me at this point in time. But nevertheless, this game is taking place in Wembley. Uh, like I said, there's one more game um, with Brady going overseas, but um, I, I got more to get into. I, I got to. I got to get into the, the, the Knicks and Cranny of this because, like I said, Saturday was sport pandemonium, and um, I'll start with the Fall Classic. So the Fall Classic is the World Series, and Philly actually went down to Houston and stole game one uh, in an extra inning game. They win that one six to five. Yesterday, I think the Astros said, we are not going out like this. We will not go to Philadelphia down 2-0. We will take care of business. They started that game up 3 nothing. Uh, ended up winning this game 5-2. to uh, That's the one thing about Houston is their their offense can carry them. I just, you know, the way that they started in game one, they came out and gave Verlander that support, but then the Phillies jumped right back into it and, and made that a game all the way to the entirety of the game in game one. I think Houston was like, we will not lose this one going back to Pennsylvania, and we're going to make them earn it at home instead of them being, you know, 
eating their toast and butter and orange juice and, and being comfortable. At least they know that we got to make them sweat and earn every last game while they're in the state of Pennsylvania. Mike, your thoughts on the World Series? Uh, this is very interesting as Philly has become the power in the series at this point. So, you know, you talk about punching back. Last night in game two, Houston has three extra base. It's the first team to begin a World Series game with three extra base hits, and that was on four pitches. <laughs> right? Like, so they have two to nothing with a guy standing on second base, four pitches in. So, uh, they, you know, they punch back uh, with a vengeance again last night. You know, they landed the first punch, and like we talked about, Philly hit back, and they were kind of neck and neck until Ramuto hit the bomb and the tent to give them the lead. But I think that, honestly, like, a lot of Philly people are looking from the outside in. You look at it, and Philly's like, okay, we were able to go steal one on the road. That's all you want. And normally that's the case. Uh, you know, if you can get one on the road, come home tied, you kind of have a home field advantage or you're taking home field advantage away. You think advantage Phillies? I don't necessarily think so. And I say that because Philly – Pulled out game one. They had the best pitcher on the mound last night. This was their chance to really uh, take a big advantage. You know what I'm saying? Going home up 2-0, there is a significant drop-off between uh, those top two and the next uh, pitchers in that Philly uh, rotation. So, Philly has kind of defied the odds, um, the way that they've been beating people uh, in this postseason. So, you know, they're going to have to do it again. They're going to have to show me because, once again, that that Astros staff is super deep, so we'll see what they can do uh, going on the road to Philly. They're not going to be intimidated by the environment, but those Philly fans are going to be rowdy, and at least we know they're going to get three games uh, at home. So that should uh, that will be very, very exciting for, uh, you know, the fans in the city of Brotherly Love, considering they haven't been had a World Series game there in 13 years. So, it's nice to see uh, World Series baseball going back to Philadelphia. But I thought that uh, last night, Houston being able to pull that game last night actually, in my opinion, puts the ball sort of uh, back in Philly's court, and it gives Houston a slight advantage, even though uh, Philly got that home field. TP, are you on mute? Are you talking? I sure was talking on mute. I apologize. So the thing about this is I don't know about what you're saying because as long as they were able to go to Texas and steal one, I think they're all right. The crazy part about this is the way that Philly is doing this, especially up against a quality team in Houston, is they haven't bowed down to anybody, whether it's any team in California, whether it was any team in the NL East, they took care of business and kept on cruising. Um, the one thing about it is, like, you know Schwarber, you know Harper, but there's other people within that lineup that you got to consider. The one thing that the Astros have right now, Bregman is back. Like, he's actually got his swing in there. And Altuve out of nowhere is starting to make his strides too. So it's like at least some of those names are coming too, at least in game two, help them out. But if they could actually get that mojo back and make this interesting in Pennsylvania, they have to get one. And I'd rather – see a game three, then them sweat it out for game four and try to pull it out. Because if, if not, I feel like uh, Philly can actually man the ship and, and win game three and put all of the pressure on Houston to win game four. Because if not, they'll get into game five and be in a lot of trouble uh, trying to survive the storm before getting, you know, gentlemen swept if it's 3-1 and going into that fourth game uh, out there in Pennsylvania. That'll, that'll be very tough for a Houston national team to be like this. But nevertheless, like I said before this series started, I wanted to see uh, – 
you know, uh, Dusty Baker do well. And uh, it's always like this. His teams fall apart on him. And it reminds me of 2002 when uh, the, the Giants went to sleep against the Angels. Every, everything was going good for the Giants coming out of the NL. And then next thing you know, they fell asleep and Barry was the only one hitting. Everybody fell asleep. And it's looking like, it feels like the movie American Pie. It's like, not again. Like, it's going to happen again. So, I, I hope, Houston, you can make this interesting. You guys have been scrutinized across the league about you guys so-and-so cheating and everybody going through suspensions and getting banned from the league, so on and so forth. This is your redemption or, or you know, redeem type of series or things of that nature. And, and I, I'm hoping that you guys can pull this off of Pennsylvania. And I'm, it's like the tale of tape because it's like Phillies are the unsung hero. I'm always the guy that goes for the underdog. And Philly is that team that's perfect for what I like. But looking at Houston situation, they're the powerhouse and have a great team and have one of the best, had the best record in the AL. So this is one of those storybook situations. I'm telling you, it's a frenzy in sports. And, like, I'm goosebumped up talking about it right now, to be brutally honest. Fact. Okay. I, think, I think Philly has to get two out of these next three back at home, right, because it's 2-3-2. Two, two. So Philly has to get two out of these next three back home to be able to come back to Texas just needing to get one out of the last two in order to win this thing. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of how I see this next three playing out. Yeah. That, well, that's, that's, that's the obvious, of course, if they got to get the two, uh, the three games that they play, cause they get all three of them back to back to back here at home. Of, of course, I, I would think that's the general situation. They don't want to go uh, back to Houston down. What would it be? Three to two. They wouldn't want to do that because Houston would be ready, but it would be very great for us as the viewers watching baseball and, seeing them have to fight their way through game six and making a game seven an epic situation as always the November classic for a world series. So ho- hopefully Philly can get two, or if they get the three and take care of business, it'll be a lot of questions that have to be answered by the Astros. And, and if, if more scrutiny comes toward their team, especially in front of Dusty Baker, to be brutally honest. Okay. So I will move into something quickly because I got a lot to get into. Um, in the boxing world, I'll, I'll save the best for last. There was a, uh exhibition fight between Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. Uh, this one went the distance, and Jake Paul won this by unanimous decision. Uh, he ended up uh, dropping Anderson Silva late into the fight. But this was clearly like a, uh, to me, a sparring session uh, upon watching it. Uh, Anderson Silva played a lot. Like he, uh, you know, dodged and swayed a lot of Jake Paul's punches. Uh, he was showing that he could beat that, you know, that's a style of defense, but he, I don't think he was there to win that fight. I think he did enough that he could to make it interesting, but Jake Paul was going to win that. To me, that's how I felt about this fight. Uh, you had Nate Diaz coming out and talking junk to Jake Paul. They actually got into a scuffle backstage from what I'm reading after the fight. Um, the one thing I'm, I'm questioning is you're, you're, you're doing great, Jake Paul. I don't want to take anything away from him. He's doing great at boxing. MMA UFC fighters. When does he fight a boxer? When the only only fight he fought a boxer was his first fight. It was a guy from Europe. I don't even remember the guy's name, but the guy was like two, three, and one. Like he had more losses than wins. He had a draw, and, and he, I don't think he was ready to box. And and the other one was Nate Robinson. The rest has been like four, three or four UFC fighters. So I want to see him fight a boxer. Like somebody that's been in that ring doing as much as you have, not somebody that's like, okay, well, let's make some money, let's fight, and then go about it about our business. But 
I don't want to take away from Jake Paul winning that fight, and he's building his stature off of that. But everybody else in the other fighting world, whether it's boxers or people that are high up in the UFC food chain, are saying he's not making money the way that he should in the in the sport of boxing. But nevertheless, Mike, your thoughts on the fight between Jake Paul and Anderson Silva first? You don't want to take away from it. I will fight somebody want to, uh, that really can. That's a boxer by trade, like you said. I mean, listen. Anderson Silva, 47 years old. Like, he had one of the longest uh, reigns as a champion, most title defenses, all this kind of stuff. When Anderson Silva was in his prime, Anderson Silva was one of the most impressive UFC fighters that we have ever seen. But to me, you want to box? Okay, let's get in there with a boxer. Get, like, or, or – or if you're that kind of fighter, okay, get in there and try to actually uh, fight with this man. Give him the chance to be able to hook up some jujitsu stuff on you. You don't want to do that. You don't want to play those games. So, uh, listen, so you, you won in your first fight against somebody that could box, but you had, like, Glass Joe, right? Uh, and you beat him. And then now you mess around, you fight with all these fighters. I don't know if things fix, whatever else. We know that MMA uh, fighters had not gotten paid uh quite as much as prize fighters, right? So uh, you get Woodley a couple times, and Woodley, though he's got a, a power punch, can't really, uh, can't really put together a series of punches and, and box like that, right? And so same thing here. Like, I'm not impressed, Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm more impressed with Silva stamina at 47 years old and be able to be out there. But he's not a boxer. He can throw hands, but he's not a boxer, like, I want to see you. I want to see you fight somebody for real. Somebody can really box, and somebody that actually is coming out there with the with the that's a legitimate threat to take your head off. Beat somebody like that, and then come talk to me. Because otherwise, I'm not. I'm not dropping sixty dollars on a pay per view like that. Like, listen, I, you know the fact that you've been able to market yourself and do this, like, good on you. A lot of people have never been able to do anything like this. It's unprecedented, but uh, I'm not impressed. Um. I mean, the thing about it is, I think that this is one I'm thinking, is he's using these as these, like, tune-up fights. You know how, like, when a boxer starts their career, they box people that they're more likely to win the fight against. I think that he's fighting MMA fighters was actually giving him a good leg up. But once he's ready to box, then I want to see this too. But it's going to take time because he's on a media level that's making him, like, seem superstarish, and he's not. Um, but he's he's winning competitively enough. So it takes enough to get in there and, and fight for a round. Three minutes, it'll tire you out. And he's able to get that done and was able to stand up there with Anderson Silva. Nevertheless, I agree with you, Mike. I was actually saying that he was 45, and uh, we had a discussion in another social media network in the barbershop, and they was like, no, he's 47. I'm like, wow. He's almost 50, and you're in your 20s fighting this guy. And, and knowing that you're in good shape to be 20 years old and trying to make a name for yourself, to me, you have to fight a boxer. I can get less on what Nate Diaz is saying, which I know more than likely they're going to set that fight up for, let's just say it's, it's November, well, October, November now, March, April, May. They're going to be in those three months where them two will end up fighting. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to talk junk. Nate Diaz could sell a fight, token Jake Paul, because everybody that supports and backs him. And then what happens after that? Does he finally fight a boxer after May? That's what I want to see. Like, don't. Don't make this hang on forever. He's just picking people out of UFC. Because to be honest, what he's doing, everybody that he beats in the UFC, I look at it like this. He's hurting the UFC. He's hurting the UFC. The reason why I say this is that this is something that Floyd Mayweather said 
upon um I, I forget who he was. I think he was fighting Connor. And he was like, Yo, that 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 ain't real fighting like this real fighting and he he ended up showing you what he could do to a UFC fighter. He he basically was gonna knock out Connor McGregor and the world was thinking that Connor was gonna take care of Floyd when he was naturally the bigger fighter. He had to lose weight to come down to Floyd and Floyd take care of business and it's like Floyd got away from that and he's semi retired. He's fighting people overseas to get a good check and do what he does. But this is how I look at it. So it's like Floyd has already had a, a litter of boxes that he's fought. It's like, Jake, when do you make the jump? Are you going to go through 10 UFC fighters and then start boxing boxers? Because in his weight class, he's going to end up having to go up against like Canelo, Charlo and them. It's like, I don't think you can beat them. None of them. None of them. So Hell no. That's why, that's, that's why he's doing this. <laughs> right. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, those are the names he'll have to deal with. At least to me, I, I can't be wrong. I, I'm I'm human. I got error. I ask God for forgiveness, but I, you have to prove to me that you can knock these people off. I don't think so, but he's he's taking care of business. The next fight we have is Vasily Lomachenko, aka Lomo, uh, won his fight over Jermaine Ortiz in a unanimous decision. Uh, they both actually left the ring with black eyes, so this was a decent fight. But Lomo still impresses. He's still a fan favorite. Um. But nevertheless, Ortiz actually made this an interesting fight. Mike, I don't know if you heard too much about this one. Your thoughts of Lomo trying to get his swagger back in the boxing world? Listen, Lomo has been an exciting fighter since he really, you know, came up. And I'm glad to see him back. He did his little military stint that he had to do with Ukraine. Now he's trying to get back and see if he can rise back, you know. And then, uh, you know, it was exciting to see you know, Devin Haney in the ring with him uh, after that fight. I thought Lomo got started slow. Some of it could be obviously due to ring rust, uh, but he settles down. I mean, he definitely convincingly won the fight, but it was uh, it was competitive, right? Uh, and so, to me, you got to find another level if you're going to be – you know, if you're going to be able to really, really compete with Devin Haney from what I've seen out of Haney his last few times out. But, hey, listen, uh, high-profile fight, um, you know, fighters that we know that, that are decorated, that have really impressed us in the ring, being able to see those guys, uh, you know, match up against each other, I think is really good for the sport. So, welcome back, Lomo, and I, and I hope we get to see Lomo and Haney soon. If it's now, great. If Lomo uh, needs one more to really uh, feel like he's in tip-top shape, great. But uh, I hope we definitely get to see that fight in the near future. Okay. So I'm going to get away from this, Sports City. I am going to get a little, I don't even want to say personal, but like like bias. <laughs> and I try my best not to talk about the stuff that I love, but I have to because I'm like, I'm like at the edge of my seat of what happened last night. So I want to get in a quick NBA score. <laughs> um the Kings beat the Heat. Interesting enough, the Kings have not won a game. They beat the Heat in Sacramento 119 to 113 for their first win of the season. The Hornets beat the Warriors 120 to 113 in overtime. The Warriors actually tried to make this a game. They they started stroking that shot and they still ended up falling short up against Charlotte, a team where I think Steph Curry knows the most. That's the team where Dell Curry used to play or Dell Curry Sr., let me say it the right way, because Steph is really Dell Curry Jr. Um, the next matchup, I kind of want to stop here right on this one. The Pacers beat the Nets in Brooklyn, 125-116. to 116. Um, 
the players actually had a meeting, a player-only meeting, after the game outside of Steve Nash. Steve Nash called the loss a disaster. Um, those players are, I think, more or less in revolt towards Steve Nash. I don't think he's the guy to coach this team. There have been other media members that think that Steve Nash will make it to the end of the season. I think that they will save face and let Steve Nash get to the end of the season. But if he is subpar or uh, hovering around mediocrity, 41-41, or like three or four games above 500, and they don't get out the first round again, he will lose that spot. Um, he was given that fortunate enough with no coaching caliber at all uh, just because he brought Dan Tony with him. Um, kind of gave him the leg up to have a coach that knows the system that he works, but it more or less was better with Nash because that actually helped Nash out there. They thought that Kyrie would be the Nash type of player where Kyrie can score at a clip of Steve Nash, but it doesn't work because it's not Phoenix. It's Brooklyn with not the same supporting cast other than him, um, KD. You're pushing Harris out there to try to make shots, and he can when he's on, but if he's off, it's a sluggish type of game. Uh, Patty Mills is a, a good shooter, but if, if he's not hitting this, it makes it tough on everybody. And Ben Simmons is still the one that everybody's waiting on to turn the corner. But nevertheless, the Pacers damn near won this game by double digits. Brooklyn has to be able to turn the corner for a team that is expected to be one of the top four. I want to say top four or five teams in the East. They don't look like they're going to do it. I don't think well, – I've been saying this for a while. I don't think Brooklyn's going to get to a final, especially the way they got swept last year. I don't think they've gotten better this year by, what, un- unleashing Blake Griffin? I don't think they get better. So Brooklyn has their work cut out for them. Um, I- I'll let you get to it at the end of it, Mike. I want to get to the rest of them. I just had to get that one out. The Sixers beat the Bulls in Chicago after the Sixers have actually been struggling. The Sixers pull one out. Uh, Joel Embiid hits a three to basically knock this game out of contention but they did end up winning this game by five. Um, the Bucks are cruising, still unbeaten, 123 to 115, knocking off the Hawks. Uh, the Grizzlies lose on the road to the Utah Jazz. The Jazz have probably been the, the most impressive team this year in the NBA, winning this one by one, 124 to 123, and I'm saving the best for last. And I said I'm making this personal. I don't really talk too much about my team. I try to avoid anything about my team unless I really have to. But the Thunder go into Dallas up against the Mavericks and win this matchup 117 to 111. In which Sports City, I got to tell you, this is why I'm at the edge of my seat. The Thunder were down 16 points with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Okay, I'm going to say this again. They were down 16 with three minutes left, and the fourth came back and tied it up to go to overtime. That is impressive, incredible. Without everybody, like they're still injured on this team outside of Chet. Like Chet is gone for the entire year. We don't even have that's our shot blocker, even though his frame is thin, you know. But we said we need a solid big. Like there's going to be a lot of centers that have their way with the Thunder because we just don't have the size. And um, I like the way the Thunder took care of business up against the Mavs because I think they know the recipe to the Mavericks. Stop Luca as best as possible. They were trapping Luca right when they were inbounding the ball. They were making somebody else bring the ball up so Luca don't get the ball comfortable enough to like about like 11 seconds so then he's going to have to take a crazy erratic shot. And that worked. And they were getting steal after steal, a missed shot after missed shot, hurrying up and getting up court and scoring. Shea Gill just put up damn near 40. He put up a 38-point night, basically did all of the scoring for the Thunder. I was the one that was talking junk about Shea because I'm saying Shea doesn't play defense. He did enough to put that team on his back with Giddy out. Josh Giddy didn't play 
uh, the other Jalen Williams, the big man, didn't play. There's a lot of people that were out for the Thunder. The Thunder still pulled it off, and they're at 500 right now. They just beat the Clippers back-to-back, beat the Mavericks. These are two playoff teams, one that actually made the Western Conference final. I am impressed right now. Now, there's some tough games coming up for them the next couple of games. They play like the Nuggets. The Nuggets have had their number. They beat them earlier this season. But we will see how that pans out. Mike, your thoughts on the, the, the spectrum of games that went down, at least yesterday in the NBA, and any specific game that you'd like to cover as well? Man, listen. Uh, we had somebody in the shop talking last night. Just be careful on these uh, on these road teams, man. Like even the better teams going on the road, that's still a different that's still a different beast. I mean, listen, it happened to Memphis. It happened to Golden State last night. You know, that's what makes even those these other couple of road wins. Like you talked about, Philly pulling one out on the road, and uh, and then you said uh, lost, and that was. Uh, that was at home, right, where Brooklyn got beat last night or whatever. So uh, it, it makes these uh, – it makes – when a team does go in and win on the road, it makes it more impressive. Uh, but, no, man, like looking at this Thunder team, uh, you know, young, still, you know, impressive, starting to uh, find some rhythm. Thunder and Dallas, always a competitive game. You ever get a chance to catch that in the division. Uh, always make sure you watch Brooklyn in trouble, for sure. Uh, but – so much still to go in the season. We about five, you know, five six games in for a lot of these teams. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to continue to watch it as uh, as things continue to unfold. And I'm sure we will uh, a lot of tea, as they say, still uh, about stuff in the association for the next few months. So, uh, but yeah, good on the Thunder, good win yesterday, and uh, really impressive. Uh, you mentioned Utah, and really impressive by them. I had to really stop and. I think for a little while to look, it's it's hard to name. If you start digging into it, you'll recognize some names like Jordan Clarkson and other people. But, you know, this is a team that after the Mitchell trade and everybody else, and, of course, they're probably going to come down to earth before the year's out and probably struggle some. But a nice start uh, by this Utah Jazz team, and I don't think a lot of people really saw this coming, right, as far as them being able to, uh, to compete. Uh, Walker Kessler, the rookie, and then, you know, other pieces that this team has uh, put together. This team has been uh, has been competitive and been fiery. Well, we'll see because I thought this would be a situation that Utah would actually be trying to rebuild <laughs> within the draft. All of the stuff that they lost from Rudy Gobert to Donovan Mitchell, they still have Mike Conley, who's probably the lasting piece from that starting five from last year. And they are cruising. Laurie McEnany has, has definitely made a name for himself as well. And and Jordan Clarkson also is another lasting member from the team last year. Um, I tip my hat to Utah. Utah, for them to able, be able to pull this off with all they gave up and pulling in a, a ton of draft picks as well, they are going to be a team to worry about if, if they could continue this. But it's early. Hopefully they could keep this, you know, this momentum going. Um, if they could win at this clip moving forward, the Jazz would probably be a top six team in the Western Conference. I didn't think I would be saying that. I would think they would be playing or worse with losing Gobert and at least Spider, like they and they're doing this and beating teams like Memphis, uh, and a nail biter, being tough enough to get it done. Okay, so Sports City top twenty five and then we're gonna get into the games as best as I possibly can. The call the number is nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. Get in here as best as you can. I'm gonna do this as best as I can also because NFL's on the line and we got a lot of talk about college football as well. At least the games that I could just get out. So top twenty five Utah wins their matchup against Washington State on Thursday. 
21 to 17. North Carolina State wins their matchup on Thursday as well up against Virginia Tech and a nail biter, 22 to 21. Saturday comes around. Georgia takes care of business up against Florida in that battle in Jacksonville, 42 to 20. Uh, I think this score looked closer than what it was, even though Florida tried to make it interesting. Uh, once they got the 20, Georgia just extended the lead and, and got away from them. Ohio State wins their matchup up against Penn State, 44 to 31, in which Penn State made this a game. Uh, Ohio State actually ended up just outlasting every last punch that Penn State could throw to them up there in Happy Valley. Uh, Tennessee slash Kentucky really bad, 44 to six. I'm going to say this right now, Sports City. Tennessee is for real. Um, Hypo has these guys up and running. Tennessee is for real. Uh, doing the best that they can. They're number three in the nation right now. Michigan winning that matchup against Michigan State, 29-7, in which at the end of the game, a fight broke out. Two players were assaulted on Michigan's side of the ball. Harbaugh actually spoke out about this as well. But the rivalry, it's for real in Michigan. I was actually out in Michigan one year. I went to a Lions game, and uh, I know a guy in Michigan that's a, a big blue guy. And another guy walked up on him, and he was a Spartan fan. They started talking. And then that game came up. They literally were about to fight. Like, literally, I had to break this up. That rivalry is for real in that state of Michigan. It is. But that's the Battle of Michigan. Paul Bunyan goes to Ann Arbor. TCU wins their matchup up against West Virginia, 41-31. to Oregon wins up against California. In Berkeley, 42-24. to The – I don't even know how to say this. The upset, the beatdown, the brutality of this game of the week, forget day, Kansas State shuts out Oklahoma State 48 to nothing. Oklahoma State has been good all year long. Every year they come up with a good team that could put together a good season. Somehow, some reason, they can't end up playing defense. They always have those games that will be like 55 to 48, something like that. It's always something crazy. But for them to lose a game to Kansas State and Manhattan, Kansas, 48 to nothing, I'm not buying anything you say, Mike Gundy. There's nothing you can tell me right now. You guys have had a good record up until this point. Kansas State actually took care of business being 22nd ranked in the nation, and to shut you out that bad, that's that's incredible. Move, moving right along, Louisville wins their matchup up against Wake. Wake gets beat up bad as a number 10th ranked in the nation, 48-21. to 21. I want to see what the committee does with both of these teams, being both Oklahoma State and Wake Forest, because they've done it to other teams that have been ranked high, losing to an unranked and moving them out of the top 10, possibly to the 20s. I want to see what they do. But, no, the committee has their eyes set for certain teams. But we'll see. I know how biased they can be. USC wins their matchup up against Arizona, 45 to 37. UCLA wins their matchup up against Stanford uh, in Westwood, 38 to 13. Ole Miss wins their nail biter up against Texas A&M in Texas, 31 to 28. Notre Dame stuns Syracuse. Syracuse has been running pretty well up until this point. Notre Dame wins 41 to 24 in Syracuse, New York. Illinois beats Nebraska, 26 to 9. I, I want to talk about it, but watching that game, because I watched the Illinois and Nebraska game, I really, as much as I've been watching college football all my life, I've always known that Nebraska's been a powerhouse. I know the dynamic has changed because they took the option offense away from them. Nebraska needs help, and I know they they got to get through the season because they already fired Scott Frost. They have an interim coach, and they can't fire him. They can't just keep getting rid of coaches. That won't answer it. For Nebraska to do well, I think it's well. it does well for college football. For them to sit in the middle of the country and not do well, they lose a, a home game to Georgia Southern earlier this year, and that's the one that ended up getting Scott Frost fired. A good coach is going to have to go down there. They even tried to bring back in one of their own alumni, and he couldn't do it either. Nebraska needs help. I'm saying this, and I'm not, I don't like the Big Ten. I'm not a fan of the Big 12. They've actually respectively been in both conferences. 
I don't know who they get to go to Nebraska to turn this thing around. It's going to be a two- to three-year runaround unless somebody could be an instant impact and turn them around this next upcoming season, which I doubt it. But they don't play good football. Running or passing, they, they look confused. For them to be the Nebraska Cornhuskers, I can't even believe that I'm saying the Cornhuskers look that bad. Uh, moving right along, Cincinnati loses their matchup to UCF. This was going back and forth. UCF outlasts them 25-21. to 21. North Carolina wins their matchup up against Pittsburgh 42-24. to 24. And last but not least, out of the top 25, Missouri wins their matchup on the road up against South Carolina 23-10. to 10. South Carolina was ranked 25th in the nation. They now fall out of the top 25 as of when the, the rankings come out uh, with the committee. Mike, your thoughts on the games that were played yesterday, at least at the top 25? You know, not so fast. You go to feeling good. You beat Kentucky without their starting quarterback. And then you beat A&M. Um, and then, you know, hey, listen, if you can't stop the team, uh, their, their defensive front from getting to your quarterback, you're going to have a hard time. They go down yesterday. Notre Dame is crazy. They played a lot better on the road than they have at home. Uh, big win for them against Syracuse yesterday. That's the best game Notre Dame has played all year. TCU is still the only unbeaten team in the Big 12, but they still gave up 31 points to West Virginia, leading further credence uh, to the point that we made about very little defense being played uh, in that conference. Uh, and shame on you, Oklahoma State, to your point earlier, you get shut out, and the team played their backup quarterback, who threw for 296 yards and four scores, and you still gave up 150-plus and a score from the uh, from the running back from Kansas State. So I know they had some injuries along the line and whatever else, but injuries and all, I would have expected a more competitive performance uh, from the Sooners in that game yesterday. Once again, this is my uh, weekly um, update that Jimbo Fisher is not that guy. Uh, he's four and five. He probably still make a bowl game, but it's uh, it's still not looking pretty and. In College Station, Texas, that's a uh, that's a contract that they still got a lot on the hook with that. I think you're going to start seeing uh, Arkansas kind of climb back up after being uh, Auburn yesterday as well. I, the interesting thing you mentioned that Louisville game. I want to say Wake Forest had eight turnovers yesterday and six in the third quarter. Uh, that is really hard to do uh, by a football team. So. You know, Louisville gets the turnovers. You know, with uh, Wake Forest riding high, somebody even in the barbershop was talking about them uh, this past week and why that Hartman guy wasn't really being considered and some other stuff, like Heisman conversations or whatever else. Well, you know, that's kind of why. So, but Louisville has actually bounced back and played some really good football for Scott Satterfield over the last few weeks. And then I'm impressed with the the bounce back from uh, UCLA after dropping their first game. Uh, last weekend to come back and win convincingly over Stanford. And then once again, uh, we still see the same thing we've seen with USC for years. No different right now under Riley. They're they're good offensively, but you still gave up 37 points uh, at Arizona. So still not a lot of defense being played out there in that uh, that Pac-12 either. Uh, And and you were right. Tennessee's good. Tennessee's the truth. And they have – you know, they run that offense quick. That defense played even better yesterday. That's probably the best defensive performance we've seen uh, out of Tennessee uh, yesterday, holding Kentucky, who did have their quarterback, unlike when they played South Carolina, but holding them to six points. 
Uh, so next weekend, hold on to your hat because we got the, uh, the, you know, Tennessee versus Georgia, the game is supposed to decide. We'll probably decide the SEC East, Alabama, LSU, decide the West next weekend, next Saturday. So uh, big games coming up in the Eastern Conference uh, back-to-back next weekend at 3.30 and 8 o'clock Eastern, respectively. So uh, the table is set uh, in the Southeastern Conference for those games uh, next week. But lots of good action. And now, you know, Listen, this is the last week of uh, this is the last week of October. So now, uh, you know, as we start to work into our next week, now we start to figure out uh, who the real contenders are for the playoffs. And you know, the last month really kind of separates things. So, you know, you got you got your first couple months. Everybody's had you know eight games now or so coming in, and so we're about to really uh, see things uh, separate themselves in the last month of the season. One more personal moment before we get into the NFL. Um, the Miami Hurricanes actually had a game yesterday in Charlottesville, Virginia, up against the Virginia Cavaliers. And let me tell you, it just, it's just something about Miami. It's always a tough, nail-biting situation where somebody gives Miami their best game and Miami always has to sweat one out. Let me tell you this. This game was a field goal specialist game. This game went four overtimes. Nothing but field goal kickers scored. No touchdown scored at all. Um, both defenses played well. Um, nevertheless, it got to a fourth overtime, and it's interesting because it takes away from the old school football that I remember when that overtime keep going and they keep going for two, but they have to score a touchdown. Now it's like after the third overtime, they just, it's just two-point conversions. It's, they, they get a try from the three-yard line and see what they can do. And um, Armstrong, the quarterback, throws a pass in the fourth overtime out of bounds. And then uh, Miami calls a bootleg, uh, well, a play-action bootleg for Jake Garcia. He beats everybody to the pylon and dies for the, the score to end the game 14-12. to 12. So there was really no touchdown score. It was four field goals by each team and a two-point conversion by Jake Garcia to get the game won. Nevertheless, at least Miami is now at 500 for an interesting win going into next Saturday up against their rival. Florida State. So we will see how this pans out coming up this Saturday. I'm at the edge of my seat. I can't wait to see how this goes down. Updating you on the game that's at hand in Wembley, the Broncos have taken the lead 14-10. to 10. The Jaguars are now punting from their own 37, 4th and 11. The first slate of game that we have for Sunday are the Carolina Panthers going up against the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are favored by four. In the dome, Mercedes-Benz dome at that. Mike, who do you like in this matchup, Carolina or Atlanta? You hear you hear that sound, Ty? You hear that sound? The clock is striking midnight. The chariot's about to change back into a pumpkin. Listen, Carolina last week shocked the world. After all these things got moved, we were all wrong on this. They shocked the world with their victory over uh, Tampa. And Tom Brady... Uh, but listen, the clock is going to strike midnight. Um, you better get home, uh, Cinderella, before you turn back into, uh, you know, from riches to rags again. Uh, Atlanta is going to get it done today at home against the Carolina Panthers. I agree so with I you. I, I, think, I agree with you. I think the Falcons do win this game. Um, it depends on how this offense comes out. The Carolina Panthers defense has actually been playing interesting enough, but I think that if Mariota can get out and 
make some plays happen other than throwing the ball because he's actually a scrambler and he, his quickness actually helps him. I think that they should be able to take care of business and cover, just like you said. I agree with you on that one. The next matchup is an interesting one. The Chicago Bears at 3-4 and four take on the 5-2 and two Cowboys in Dallas, in which the Dallas Cowboys are favored by 10 in Dallas. Who do you like in this matchup, Mike, Bears or Cowboys? So that is a lot of points. Uh, I don't know if I'm taking that bait as far as points-wise. Um, I like the Cowboys to win this game. I think they're probably – I think they're probably the better – I mean, well, I know they're the better roster. They got more pieces. Um, you know, the Bears coming off a big upset win on Monday night. But it, it's very rare that you see – a team with less talent string together a couple of those in a row. So I'm going with the Cowboys today, but I'm not sure about those points. That's a lot of them. So I wouldn't confidently say they were going to cover. If you push me one with a gun to my head, I got to go one way or the other. I would probably say Cowboys cover, but that's a lot of points. I agree with you totally. Um, I, I really feel like the Bears will make it interesting. I think that field is getting like overlooked as he's keeping this impressive because he could actually push this to be a 500 season for the Bears if they win this. If they win, they'd be sitting at 4-4. Four and four. Nobody would expect the Bears to have this many wins at this point in time. And they're actually doing it with a whole new system right now and not enough pieces to, like, make you think that the Bears are something to worry about. And right now they're doing just enough to carry this out. I think the, the Cowboys will win this game. However, that 10 points is a tall task. I think the Bears do cover with the 10-point bubble. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys did pull it off. But I would go with the Bears with the spread. Um the next matchup I have are the Arizona Cardinals coming somewhat east to the Minnesota Vikings. This is an interesting game. The Vikings are favored by four. Um, they do have time now with Robbie Anderson, DeAndre Hopkins, and company. So Ertz and all of them, this offense could actually be impressive if they do this right. Mike, who do you like in this matchup, Cardinals or Vikings in Minnesota? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, good thing they got Anderson because it would have been really fun to see Hopkins with uh, Hollywood Brown because I thought Brown actually showed up, you know, before the injury. I thought he showed up and uh, did some pretty good things for this uh, offense. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting if he, you know, if they bring him back and what it looks like moving forward. But at least you get Anderson to sort of compliment Hopkins a little bit. I, I think this offense can score it. I think they can put up some points. Uh, Minnesota does do a decent job pressuring, though. And then I'm not sure that Arizona can stop. I'm not sure that Arizona can stop Minnesota's, you know, offense either. Saints put up 34 last week, abandoned the run a little bit with uh, Dalvin Cook out there. I don't think that uh, – I don't think Minnesota's going to do that. And I do not think that the – this Cardinals defense has an answer for Justin Jefferson either. I think that – being in Minnesota, I think the Vikings are going to win. This Vikings team is still small. Don't get me wrong. That's the case of parity in division. I mean, division leaders in the, in the trade-driven league. But I think they win today and, and take care of the Cardinals and move to 6-1 and one and at least, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep Green Bay at a distance. I agree. I think the Vikings do win this game. However, I think this is going to be an old-fashioned shootout. This is going to go down. If Rob, Robbie Anderson is somehow comfortable with his offense and D-Hop is now getting his feet underneath him too, being being out for so long, and 
you know, trying to prove that they could get back into the thing. This could be very interesting if the Cardinals steal this game and push themselves to 500. Uh, they're three and four as well. So I'm going to go with the Vikings for, you know, the sake of going with the Vikings because they're one of the better teams in the NFL. But the Cardinals have something special right now with receivers that you have to be concerned about for Kyler Murray, let alone Kyler Murray's a scrambler. So you got that 11th guy that you have to worry about. If he avoids the rush, because that's a lot of what Minnesota brings is their edge rushers, their deep tackles can make plays. But if, if they're giving them avenues to get out of there, those are five, seven, eleven-yard escape routes for him to get upfield. So that's something Minnesota better watch out for because their defense isn't that great. Minnesota's defense is not that great. But I'm going to go with Minnesota. But I think I'm going to make this interesting. This is a shootout to me. I don't think this is going to be a defensive battle by no means. Um, the next matchup I'll go first. The Raiders are taking stage in the Superdome in New Orleans. I'm going to actually go with the Raiders in New Orleans. Andy Dalton. Prove it to me that you can win this game. That's it. I don't. I don't have anybody else to pick on. Even though I know that there's some pieces missing defensively for the Saints, Andy Dalton. They're giving you money, like the NFL. Everywhere you're going, from Chicago, Cincinnati, New Orleans, Dallas. No, you're getting money and not performing. Prove to me that you can win a game right now. This is a winnable game up against the Raiders. The Raiders have been struggling too, just like you guys have. I'm going to go with the Raiders just because Andy Dalton is behind center. Mike, let me know who you got in this game and why. Raiders or Saints? Who would have said they're going to be them Saints? Listen, I'll, if I'm wrong, I'll tell you later. On. I, I, I have no problem. But I'm going to say this, two things. Uh, <clears throat> the one thing Andy Dawson has going for him today is he is not playing during prime time. I've never seen I think Kirk Cousins had like a record like this at one point too. But I've never seen a quarterback like in prime time games or marquee games, like really struggle. Though they <clears throat> he held his own in, in other games. This Saints offense is doing fine. They are like in the top six in the league in yardage and that kind of thing. And Andy Dawson has probably had a little bit better accuracy. They gave up fourteen points in the last two minutes a week ago. One of them was his fault. One of them was not. One pass off a wide receiver's hands, bounced up, gets picked, returned. Now you compound the problem, making a throw you shouldn't have made, so now it's two touchdowns. And the Red Rifle shot himself in the foot a week ago. Can't do that again, obviously. But, so, you know, I take a look at it. I think you know, still missing pieces. So, so we will see. And Derek Carr has actually gone into New Orleans and played pretty well. And this Raiders franchise has done pretty well against the Saints. The Saints went there. Uh, COVID year and got beat. Uh, one of the first game, I want to say the first game, regular season game in that stadium. Uh, the Raiders won a close. The Raiders have done well against the Saints lately. Uh, Saints reversed the trend today. I don't know how, but it'd be Kamara, Alave, the places there. And I think you at least got a couple pieces coming back on that defense. I think that defensively the Saints are still better. And I think that uh, <clears throat> Andy Dalton and, and Kamara in that running game can make enough place to pull this thing out at home and if I'm wrong I'm wrong but I'd rather be uh I'd rather be three and five and right I'm already gonna be sad if we go uh if we start two and six so I might as well add to it and miss the pick two so who that today against the Raiders well just like I said Andy Dalton please prove it to me I I'm not a believer cry me a river you're you know you are lucky James Winston is hurt I I 
that one pick six that he threw against Arizona when the, when the guy scored the touchdown, his facial expression really showed me, like, I, I don't think he, he wants to, like, be out there. He turned around and just looked at the sideline like, what else could I do? Like, it, Andy thought, I'm not – you have to prove to me that you're wanting to play football. Jameis Winston, hurry up and save those Saints seasons. You, you have to hurry up and get that. The next matchup well, I have is they, they said this week that Winston was able to play. Like, that was one of the, some of the articles coming out of Louisiana, was that Winston could have played if they really wanted him to. And I don't know if there's – you know, there is some people spent some more time would still be beneficial of him. But right now – and I don't think that this is the right call, but we'll see. Right now, it, it was written to me and spun in stories and things that I heard that it was a Dennis Allen call that both quarterbacks could have been available, and he made the call to go with uh, Andy Dalton today because of well, things that he's seen with the offense. Well, let me just simply answer this. He's not available. The best ability is availability. He's not playing. He will be in street clothes like Anthony Davis, things that make Michael Harvey go, hmm. So at the end of the day, he he can't play. Like I said, Jameis, get back here so you can help this team because they need it. Because Andy Dalton is going to end up running this season down. If they lose, the Saints are two and six on the season. You guys are probably going to have to win out. Well, not to win out, but like you could probably only afford another two losses to remain in the pack if you lose today. So Andy Dalton, you got a lot of weight on your shoulders. The Raiders are struggling just as bad as you guys. Prove it to me. The next matchup I have is an AFC East matchup. The New England Patriots are coming to East Rutherford, New Jersey, up against the New York Jets, in which the Jets have the better record on the season. The Jets are sitting at 5-2. and two. The Patriots are 3-4. and four. The Patriots are favored in MetLife by three points. Mike, who do you like in this matchup, Patriots or Jets? You know, I took the Jets last week, and there's some reasons why I could see that. But at the end of the day, we are still talking about a very young quarterback and a young offense uh, playing against playing against a veteran coach who it looks like has started to find some pieces and uh, that defense has started to look better. I just think somehow, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to say Belichick and that defense uh, confused the Jets today and I'm gonna say Patriots win. I don't like it. I really don't like. It. I, I don't feel. I don't feel good at all about this pick. But I think the Patriots win today at MetLife. Uh, New York teams been riding high in football. Good thing they've had football to ride high on. But they've been riding high in football last few weeks, and today the Patriots uh, win at MetLife. I am disagreeing with Mike. I'm going with the Jets to go six and two. Um, the Patriots have a quarterback dilemma right now, and Belichick has been actually having his way with young quarterbacks. Zach Wilson's going to have to prove that he can actually win a game up against Belichick. He can't sit up here and be scared of Belichick until Belichick retires. This is a game where he has to prove that he belongs in the NFL. And I was high on him coming out of college. He proved me wrong, but they're actually doing well this season. They're, they're winning in spite of him, not because of him. So this is a game where he could actually like clear up a lot of the – questions around Zach Wilson, if he's a pick to have or not, if he could actually make some of these passes, because they already have the issue of getting rid of one of their wide receivers right now. Prove that they could win games because of you, Zach. I'm going with the Jets. I am going with the Jets, and it has to start today, here and now, Luther Vandross. I have to do that. Um, I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Uh, 
I mean, you wouldn't want yourself to be right. Okay, well, you could be on the fence. <laughs> I'm gonna go. No, 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 no. I'm gonna go with the I want to be right on the pick, but you know, you always have certain teams that you just personally want to see win, or, or you know, it, it like don't hurt your feelings if they get beat. You know what I'm saying? Like on a personal level. So that's what I'm saying. It don't. It won't hurt my feelings if you like. No, it, it, I'm not. I'm not attached to the Jets by no means. I'm, I'm just saying that this is a game where Zach Wilson has to prove himself. This is he's been in the league for a couple years now. I'm not trying to put all the pressure on him, but it's time for you to turn the corner. Time to not to be scared of uh, Bill Belichick. I, Belichick is going to be an NFL coach. People are going to follow his schemes and, and try to throw them at you on other teams too. So you can't be Sam Darnold saying you see ghosts. No, you have to get it done. This is a game where you're at home. The crowd's on your side. Momentum too. You guys are winning games that people don't think you could win. This is a Jets game. I think they can do it. They already win the Green Bay and stole one. Why can't steal one at home against the Patriots when Vegas is favoring them. But watch out. Vegas has been dirty all season long. The next match that we have are the Pittsburgh Steelers going up against the Philadelphia Eagles, in which the Eagles are still unbeaten. The Steelers are 2-5. and five. The Eagles are favored by 11 in the link. I'm going to go with the Eagles on this one. I think that this will be close, though. I think the Steelers will cover the 11. I don't, I don't think the Eagles beat them that bad. But I think the Eagles will win this game, though. Mike, who do you like in this matchup? Steelers or Eagles? So I 100% agree with you, actually, both sides of this. I like the Eagles to win the game. I, I will say this. We've seen some improbable wins when the team is undefeated or who their first losses come to or whatever. It wouldn't shock me if somehow Tomlin in Pittsburgh was able to come up with a game plan and, and find a way to win this game. But, no, I think Eagles win. I think they remain undefeated for another week. I think Steelers could play them pretty close for a couple reasons. A, I think they got to – if they can get some pass rush and keep some pressure on Hurts, make him make some decisions, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And then, you know, can can they do anything to keep the chains moving offensively? We'll we'll see on, uh, you know, from the Steelers. But this is just – the Eagles have had a propensity of letting teams kind of back in the game in the second half or kind of – having some lapses. And so if, if Pittsburgh can execute consistently offensively, I see this being a little bit closer. I like, I like Philly, but I, uh, that's too many points. Yeah, I agree. That's a lot of points. I, I think Pittsburgh covers the 11. If you were to give me the 11, I'd, I'd comfortably go with the Steelers. Uh, the last of the one o'clock games, the Miami Dolphins come to Michigan to play the Detroit Lions in which Miami's sitting at four and three in the AFC East. The Lions are one and five coming off of a critical loss up against Dallas uh, in which Dan Campbell has come after Jared Goff with all of the turnovers in the second half after having a win. But it's not just all on Jared Goff either. I'm more or less looking at Dan Campbell. A lot of people are saying that he's safe, including uh, the ownership saying that they they believe that Campbell could get this done within this year and next year. They got to go out there and prove it. Miami is actually favored in Michigan three and a half. Mike, who do you like in this game, Miami or Detroit? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not surprised to see this favored. But I will say, you know, getting to a back, he showed showed me something on that first drive. But still, it's not like Miami put up a lot of points last week. They looked a little bit vulnerable. That de- uh, They only put up 16 in that game. That defense has been opportunistic at times. I feel like until the Lions put together a a complete game, 
you had to consider my there's a reason why Miami's favorite. I think they probably win win the game today. But we've also seen first few weeks of the year what that offense can do from Detroit at times. And if you see golf play well and that team clicking, like they could put up points against anybody, which we already know. And then you take a look. Also, like I thought Jeffrey Akuda played really well uh, last week at the cornerback position when he was in there, even coming up and making some tackles. So uh, I thought that was good to see. But that secondary is definitely going to uh, get tested in this game against the Dolphins. And so it's going to be important that that defensive front get home for for Detroit. I say Miami wins. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I, I don't – I don't know about the points. I, I, I could see Miami covering as well, but I can also see this game being close. So I don't feel confident one way or another about the points. I, I don't even know which way to go with this. The only way the Lions can win this game is if they can slow down, or I can't even say slow down because it's impossible. Try to contain Tyreek and Dwaddle. Both of these guys are going to be monsters on the outside. Um, the one thing about everybody else in the midst of this situation is Gusecki. It, it, I had him on fantasy last year. For some odd reason, he's not been able to apply himself to this offense while having interesting pieces around him. Even though Tyreek wasn't there last year, he's still not doing damage this year while Tyreek and Waddle are out there. So they got to try their best to, you know, manage ship with these two guns on the outside, and hopefully Gusecki doesn't tear them up in the middle of the field, which I feel like can potentially happen this game. And uh, don't let the running backs like Chase Edmonds and company go crazy. This is a, a tall task with Detroit's defense. Even though they came up with an interesting game up against Dallas, holding Dallas at 24, that's in, that's good for them to slow down Dallas's offense. But they're at home now; they should be able to be charged up in this game up against Miami. And which, if they do get home to tour, I feel like they can actually make this a tough game. I just, for the sake of health, I just don't want it to be a, an interesting hit where it hurts to us. But they gotta get to him up. I'm 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 on the fence about it because it's like I don't want to see Tua hurt, but. I don't want Tua to hurt us either. So um, if they could stop Tyreek and them, I feel like Detroit could get it. But if not, I'm, I'm going with the Dolphins to cover and win the game. So I'm going to go with the Dolphins on that. But if they can actually bat some passes from Tyreek, don't let him blow the doors off the hinges off the secondary, this could be an interesting one. They already are talking about Amon getting traded or the better corner on the, the Lions. But um, he's been getting tortured. If he's one of our better corners and they've actually got rid of players, I don't understand what this front office is doing. Brad Holmes is getting a lot of credit, and he's doing some very heavy, questionable things. I don't. It, I could spill into the Detroit Lions forever. That's why I was like, I don't want to talk about my personal team, especially when they're doing that, because I could do it forever. Okay, so the first of the 4 o'clock games are the Tennessee Titans going into Houston up against the Texans, in which the Titans are leading that division at 4-2, and two, in which Malik Willis is starting his first game as Tannehill is ruled out. The Texans are 1-4-1 one, and one on the season. The Titans are favored by one in Houston. Basically a pick em. Mike, who do you like in this one, Tennessee or Houston? I don't like either one of them. I mean, if I'm being honest with you, uh, you know, they say uh, illness plus an ankle injury, non-COVID related for Tannehill. So not a lot of time in advance. Uh, you know, four wheelers still kind of green, but it's not like uh, it's not like Houston's uh, really in a spot where they're getting like stellar play at the quarterback position either. So, uh, yeah, I look at it and I see, well, 
the the question becomes who has the better game, probably between you know Pierce and Henry. Both teams are going to be uh, geared up or planning to stop the run. The other team's running back, and <clears throat> which team can execute more defensively? There has not been a team that I've been wrong about more than the Titans this year. I, I don't know with Tennessee. Um, just for whatever reason, uh, I'm going to pick them on the road today and say they find a way to beat Lovey Smith and, and and Houston, but I don't feel good about it. Okay, so I'm going to go with Tennessee to get this one done. The Texans have to prove to me that they can do more than just play defense. The Texans' defense has actually been carrying them, and I, I don't feel comfortable in saying that. Um if they can get some scores on the board, Davis Mills is doing the best he can to like carry the team. But I'm I'm not comfortable, especially up against Tennessee with a young player in Malik Willis who actually looked impressive in the preseason. Finally, gets to go out there and actually not show his throwing capability with the receivers that they do have. They don't really have that much out there, but I feel like they have more talent to score the ball. And Tennessee, Tennessee's going to have to show the Texans have to stop Derrick Henry somehow, some way. I, I really feel like the Tennessee Titans get it done. But there's something that's strange about this with Vegas having to sit at one. It's basically a pick 'em. I would be I wouldn't be shocked if the Texans pulled this off. I just because of Las Vegas. Just because of that one point spread. It should be higher. To me, it should be higher. The next matchup we have are the Commanders going up against the Colts in Indy. I'm gonna go with the Commanders as they bench Matt Ryan uh and start Sam Ellinger. I don't believe Sam Ellinger is the guy to carry the ship for the Colts. I want you to prove me wrong, Sam. This is a stage set for you. You're at home, and the commanders don't have all of their defensive players as Chase Young has a three-week window set by Riverboat Ron Rivera that he's set to come back in any of the next three weeks. But as for now, I think the commanders are actually trying to set the table so when he comes back, it could be interesting as they go into the second half of the season. Mike, who do you like in this one, commanders or Colts in Indy? Heineke versus Ellinger. You know, I think that those – Commander players actually really like playing for Tyler Heineke. I think they actually uh, – <laughs> I think he has the respect of some of those guys, uh, you know, in that locker room, and he's been to war with them uh, multiple times under center. So I do expect them to maybe be able to execute some. I, you know, do we get Taylor back this week and healthy? Do we start to see, you know, what some people thought we were going to see from them? I, I'm going to say that – this changing quarterback, at least for one week, uh, bolsters the, the Colts a little bit. They find a way to get the win at home. They get enough uh, plays on uh, plays on offense, and, and they find a way to win this thing. So I'm going to go Colts at home today. Okay, we'll move right along. I'm going to go into the next one. This is an NFC West battle, very interesting one, the Niners are going into L.A. up against the Rams. This is a pick em in Vegas. The Rams are sitting at 503-3. and three. The Niners are 3-4 and four on the season. Mike, who do you like in this one, Garoppolo or Stafford? You know, 49ers beat Rams twice during the regular season. Uh, last year, in the championship game, even gave them everything they wanted. Wanted to say when they played earlier this year, the Rams, uh, the Niners left no doubt who the better team was on the field that day. I think you're going to see it again. I think it's it's interesting to pick them 
what it is uh, at home for the defending champs. Uh, you know, and San Francisco coming off a, a loss last week as well. But I think we have seen – you're going to see more of McCaffrey this week. I think you're going to see – you've seen Garoppolo and Brandon Ayuk continue to develop some chemistry, and then Kittle's been on the field too. So I like what we got out of San Francisco's offense. I'm more of a believer in their offense right now than I am the offense for the Los Angeles Rams. It's Stafford to Cup. Uh, and there's not been <clears> – there's also been some turnovers. Hasn't been really consistency in that running game right now. So and, – and he hasn't done a good job looking for secondary targets. So and I think I'm just more of a believer in San Francisco today. And this is interesting because the Niners know how to play the Rams uh, going into L.A. And knowing that this was the same scene of the crime last year before the Rams ended up winning the Super Bowl – um, I think the Niners do pull this off. Um, if they could just stop that tandem, like you're saying, if they can make it just a, a Stafford the Cup situation and kind of neutralize everybody else, because you know Stafford's going to force feed Cooper Cup, they probably won't pick that pass off, but it'll be interesting if they can. But Stafford has been turning the ball over alarming enough throughout this season. Um, I want to see him actually turn this over and have more touchdowns and interceptions. This is, this is clearly a game for San Francisco's defense to pin their ears back and come after Stafford. And the Rams' defense have to do more than just be Aaron Donald and Ramsey. Like, um, they're going to have their hands full, especially with McCaffrey learning more of the offense. I'm going with San Francisco, McCaffrey, and Debo uh, in front of that L.A. crowd. And I think the Niners fans will travel there too, so this could get pretty rowdy in the state of California. The next matchup we have, the last of the 4 o'clock, are the New York Giants going into the state of Washington up against the Seattle Seahawks in which the Seahawks are favored by three at home. I'll go first on this one. I think the Giants get this one done and push their record to 7-1. and one. I never thought this would happen, but they are impressively enough getting it done. And 7-1 and one is, is a monumental step for this uh, Danny Dimes-led Giants team. Mike, who do you like in this matchup, Giants or Seahawks? It's funny. I think in this game, I think – the Giants might not be quite as good as the record says they are, and Seattle might not be uh, – and same thing. So, uh, Seattle at home, 4-3. and three. Geno Smith's been obviously one of the surprises in the league, really putting up uh, good numbers at the quarterback position. But I'm impressed with what I'm seeing from the Giants. I agree with you. I think the Giants find a way to eat this thing out and go to 7-1, and one, and we're going to have to hear Barry again this week. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, talking about the New York football Giants. Okay, and the night capper, this this is incredible, this game right here. The Green Bay Packers are going up against the Buffalo Bills, in which the Packers are 3-4 and four under 500, and the Bills are 5-1. and one. The Buffalo Bills are favored by 10.5 tonight, which we will be waiting on day to see if Josh Allen can outshoot Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'll go first on this one. I will say the Bills win this one. I think the Packers hang around. I think they cover with the ten and a half plus. I, I'm, I think I, it's just something about Aaron Rodgers. I don't think the Vegas is going to be this on target that they get blown out. I don't think so. If they do, I am going to stay up all night to hear what Aaron Rodgers has to say on how bad they are looking on this season. I, I just can't see this happening. It's more than just the receivers. He's not having any accountability. I want to see him own up to some of this. 
Mike, your thoughts, Packers and Bills, Sunday night matchup. Uh, it's a trap, maybe. Uh, <laughs> you know, as far as ten and a half, too. I mean, if they get it right at ten and they get right inside that number, we'll see. I just think that stranger things have happened in this league. But when I look at what I'm seeing from Buffalo and this 5-1 and one start, and I also look at what this Green Bay offense has been producing and looking like week in and week out, I don't see that they get enough at the receiver position. Obviously, their strength is running the ball, but I'm not sure. You know, I don't see Green Bay being able to match them them offensively right now. Uh, if if they could, this would be, you know, Aaron Rodgers' way to make a statement in a primetime game and says, yo, I'm not dead yet. Uh, Tom Brady had his chance on uh, Thursday night and made a few good throws. But, I mean, listen, they dropped another one. So, this is uh, the other number 12's chance. I don't, um, I don't think he's going to be able to get it done tonight. Uh, that number, though, is uh, it's strange because even a 10 gets you under – you know what I'm saying? Like under the point. So uh, I, I'm going to say Buffalo wins, but I would, uh, I would I would take Green Bay plus the points, I think. I totally agree. Okay, so the last of the Mohicans, the Monday night matchup, is the Battle of Ohio. Cincinnati takes their talents to Cleveland up against the Browns. The Bengals are favored by three in Cleveland. Um I actually like the Browns in this matchup. I think the Browns can actually run the ball and make it tougher. The Bengals, uh, in which the Jamar Chase situation is big and looming for this Bengals team. I want to see if Joe Burrow can win without his best target outside in Chase. Mike, who do you like in this matchup, Cleveland or Cincinnati? Yeah, Cleveland at home, this feels like a game that they probably find a way uh, to get. You know, this is you know, Paul Burrow, thankfully, him and Higgins have, you know, continued to develop more chemistry. you still got Boyd in the spot, and, you know, Mixon's going to be huge. Cincinnati at times has actually really uh, shown up really well against the run. Uh, so, you know, their their defense at least is, is pretty well equipped to be able to control the run game a little bit. Now, you know what? I'm going to go with Cleveland's been uh, lost several games. They were, they were right in there last week. A couple weeks ago, got beat pretty bad. Cincinnati's kind of bouncing back, at least trying to see if they can get back towards the top. You know, towards the top of that division. Uh, I'm going to say until Cleveland gets all their pieces back, I'm I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I'm going to say they win at Cleveland today, tomorrow night. No, that's that, that, that's my name. Okay, I'm just I'm just making sure. Okay, so that is all we have. I need a plug and close out from you before we get out of here or anything else that you'd like to touch on because that is the full slate of games of NFL Week 8 uh, for this Sunday and Monday. Yeah, man, so <clears throat> real quick, the barbershop on Clubhouse continuing to grow. Uh, lots of rooms throughout the week. Live uh, watch along action, too. You can catch uh, – we talk basketball. We talk football. We talk life conversations as well. And then music and culture and lots of things. But uh, you'll find a room open on Clubhouse during many live sporting events. And so come be part of the Barbershop family 
you know, and chop it up with the community over there. Also, sportscitychefs.com. Check out the website, Boss Finger Foods, things these guys are doing. We have other shows throughout the week, the NFL free-for-all. On Tuesday nights, the call is cookout. Uh, Timeless versus the villain. We're good, always wins. Both of these shows at 9 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, <clears throat> stay tuned for more information about our crossover cafe and other things that we're doing on uh, on Sports City Chef. Shout out to the head chef, man, like I told you. Without, without TP, wouldn't be here, man. Respect to the other chefs as well. Uh, let's see if who that nation can uh, – can take care of uh, the silver and black today. We'll see. Um, but game uh, game three of the World Series, lots of cool things going on, man. Happy Halloween to everybody. Uh, be safe, and we will talk at you again later on this week. Time to say much respect. And les les bons sont roulés. Peace. That is for sure. I don't have too much to promote. He's done a lot for me. Um, continue to check us out throughout the week. We will be talking about more than just football this week. That is for sure. November is a must Halloween is tomorrow. Please be safe out there in these spooky streets. Uh, we've gone through enough as, as a, a world society, however you want to look at it. So keep your kids safe, everybody, your loved ones out there. People are out there drinking. Be responsible. you got you got all type of people out there, man. Somebody has a son, somebody has a daughter out there in those streets, so be safe, be well. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again, y'all. And if they don't know, now they know. Wait, 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 hold on, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to pull this off in Florida, man. I, I, against these Florida boys, man. I, I'm already happy about Miami, but we got to get this done, man. We got to stop tight. We gotta, all right, <laughs> we if they don't that, know, <laughs> if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Kaboom, Sports City, Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June, Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom, so tell a friend it's the Sports City, Chefs again, pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.